are going to dig into the word right now. Go ahead and turn over to uh, Genesis chapter 11. It's going to take us a while to get where we're going today. We, uh, what's that? Yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. Anyway, uh, it's gonna, I got to kind of lay a foundation today before we, we get to where I'm trying to get. Let's hope I can get through the foundation in time to do that. I, uh, uh, when we had to preach in Bible school, you know, they, they uh, gave us an entire 10 minutes to do our entire sermon. And uh, I was talking to some people and they were like, 10 minutes? How could I possibly talk for 10 minutes? I thought, 10 minutes? How can I get through my introduction in 10 minutes? So I guess there's, yeah. Anyway, so, so bear with me while I try to get through my introduction today, all right? Uh, have you ever had a boss that you, there was no pleasing them? I've had two of those in my, my not that long of life. And, and there was nothing you could do to make them happy. I mean, no matter what you did, they found fault with it. And it's like, really? That's so great. I love working for you so much. One of them I, I transferred out and, uh, because to a different department because my immediate supervisor was, hmm, nothing you could do made her happy. And then the other one, the Lord moved me out. He, he spoke to me in words and goes, I'm moving you. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. I appreciate it because I am ready to move. But, uh, you know, today... You know, we're going we're gonna to start out talking about Abraham, but, you know, life, walking with God is a walk of faith, isn't it? You know, Leanne mentioned Wednesday night. We go from glory to glory. We're not supposed to go from gory to gory, okay? It's not supposed to be, oh, death and doom and gloom and despair and agony on me. You know, none of that, okay? That isn't, it. That isn't part of our life, all right? God wants us walking in victory. Yeah, but bad stuff happens. Well, yeah, but we still walk in victory over the top of that, okay? You know, yeah, I mean, people... You know, people do stuff, people say stuff, somebody runs into your car, you know, uh, you know, my father passed away. You know, people are going to come, you know, that's part of the living, that's part of the life, isn't it? And, 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 but on top of all that, you know, there's victory on top of all of it. And we are to go from glory to glory. And, and, but, um, you know, the Bible is true 100%. If I could make it more than 100%, I would tell you 110% or 200%, but there really isn't that, you understand. But, but, you know, do we understand everything about the Bible and about everything there is to know about God right away? No, no. It, there's a journey of discovery. It's like when you meet the person who's going to be eventually going to be your spouse. There was a journey of discovery there to find out who they are and what they're about and see if, you know, if, if they are really that one person. And, you know, the same thing is with God. When we get to know him, it just gets better and better. And, and you know, you find out things about him. You find, you're just like you did your spouse. You know, you start finding out things that are, you know, like he has a sense of humor. You know, I remember the first time that he, he made me laugh. I was like, I didn't know you had a sense of humor. You're God. I was like, mm. <laughs> he's big and serious with a club and lightning bolts, right? No, I mean, that's the view, that's the view I had, but he's not like that. I mean, he, he, uh, he uh, has a great sense of humor. But, but as we get to know him on that journey of discovery, we find those things out. All right. You know, John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. You know, when you start digging into this book, 
yeah, there's things that are hard to understand. Anybody ever find any of those? Be like, what does that mean? I, I, mean, I there's some things here. You know what? I, I don't really, I don't really give a whole lot of thought to some of the things that I don't understand. It's like, yeah, I don't know what that was. Well, you know, I don't, I don't worry about that stuff. But there's lots of stuff in here I do understand, and that's what I need to pay attention to. You know, there's things that. You know, the, the Bible says the secret thing belongs to the Lord, but that which is revealed belongs to you and your children forever. Well, the things he's revealed to you, the things he's shown you, the things that jumped off the page and meant, wow, whoa, look at that. That's, okay, that's what you need to be paying attention to. We don't need to spend hours and hours worrying about what does this mean, you know? We get, we get I, I, and I get it, trust me, I understand completely because I've spent hours and hours discussing some of those passages that make no sense. And now at this stage in my life, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care what that means. I'm, you know, if I needed to know, God would have explained it better in the Bible and I don't need to. <laughs> I know, don't look at me like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's a, you know, I figure if he doesn't mention it more than once, there's several things that are mentioned one time. If he didn't mention it more than once, he, didn't, he wasn't too worried about it. No, I know. You think I'm nuts. That's okay. All right. Anyway, you know, here's another point I need to make. Events in the Bible are accurately recorded. Track with me. For example, Job, Job did not always speak the truth, right? The Bible says he spoke wrongly of God, but the things that he spoke wrongly of God are still in the Bible. It's true what it says, but it's not true. Understand? Does that make sense? Everybody track with that? Okay, it's, that's important to understand that, all right? But God's word, the things he said are truth, but, and they're true both, okay? But, but are you in Genesis 11? All right. Understand here that Abraham, our father Abraham, you know, the father of faith, was not a perfect man. Do you understand that? I mean, I think some people look at, well, he was, yeah, but he was, he was Abraham, and he was... Okay, so Genesis 11, look at verse 31. Abraham's father's name was Terah, okay? And it says here in verse 31, Now Terah took his son Abraham, well, Abram, but same difference. So he got changed later, so I'm going to just say Abraham. Took his son Abraham and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, so Abraham's nephew, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, and they departed together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they went as far as Haran and settled there. Where was he headed? And where did he go? Not the same place, okay? See, Terah settled. Do you see that? Yeah, he settled. He set out, but he settled, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to it in a second, but... but but God wanted Abraham in Canaan, period. That's where he wanted it. But Abraham, with his father and his nephew and his wife, settled. They settled somewhere else. Even though God brought him out of Haran, he didn't make it. He didn't make it to, uh, or out of Ur of the Chaldeans, he didn't make it to the promised land. Look over at Genesis 15, turn over a couple pages. really interesting what it says here. Uh, verse 7, look at this. Now, who took Abraham out of Ur? You remember? No, back up. What does it say? It says, Terah, his father, took him out of Ur of the Chaldeans to, headed to Canaan, but he settled. Okay? 
All right, now look in Genesis 15, 7. It says, he, God said to him, Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of where? Ur of the Chaldeans. It doesn't say anything about Haran there. It says, I brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. So God had moved upon Terah to move from Ur of the Chaldeans to Canaan, and Terah made it halfway and settled. Okay? How many of you would love it when you stand before God and he says to you, you made it halfway and then you settle? Yeah, none of, none of us want to hear that. No, we don't want to hear that. No. So, so we want to be, we want to be uh, like Abraham who actually followed him. Now, did I point out to you, I'm going to mention this again, uh, turn back to Genesis 12. I mentioned to you that Abraham was not a perfect man, right? Did I mention that? You understand that? I need you to understand that part. Genesis 12. Verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your relatives, did you hear that part, and from your relatives and from your father's house, did you see that part, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and those, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be Blessed. So Abraham, verse 4, went away as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. You see a problem there? Yes. Backing up, did you see where it said, Go from your relatives and from your father's house? You understand that Lot was part of his father's house. You see that? You're not missing this, right? You're tracking with me? We're good. Okay. So, so, and then verse 5, keep going here. Uh, Well, we'll finish verse 4. So Abram went away as the Lord had spoken to him, only he didn't obey completely. And Lot went with him, although, you know, you could say, did you ever have a dog that followed you everywhere you went? I I have a dog who follows my wife everywhere she goes. Everywhere she goes. Uh, Anyway, I had a cat on the farm who followed me everywhere I went. But, 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 so we could think, well, yeah, it wasn't Abram's fault, that Lot went with him, but keep reading. So verse 4 again, so Abram went away as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife and, oops, he took his nephew with him. So he didn't do what God said. Now, so where are the lightning bolts? Where's the club? Where's, you know, where's God angry? You know what? It doesn't say one word about that anywhere. Doesn't say God was disappointed with him. Doesn't say anything. It just says that that's what happened, okay? Opposite of what God told him to do. Now, honestly, let's think about you guys, if you don't know the Old Testament real well, uh, I'm not going to go into a big deep dog story about Lot, but let's just say, how'd that work out for Lot? Well, aside from becoming selfish, living in Sin City, a wife who wouldn't obey God, a family kidnapped by the king of Elam, a drinking problem, incest with both of his daughters, which resulted in the births of Moab and Ammon, who was, whose descendants were the idol-worshipping enemies of Israel. Well, over after, aside from all that, it didn't work out too bad for Lot. You understand what I'm saying? It was a disaster, an absolute disaster that Lot followed Abraham out of the will of God into the land of Canaan. A disaster, a complete train wreck. They didn't have trains, but you understand what I mean. A disaster. Ah. And yet in 2 Peter 2, 
7, it says, God rescued Lot, a good man, you don't have to go there, who was distressed by the immoral conduct of lawless people. Lot had a good heart, but he disobeyed God, and it was disastrous for him and his family and his descendants. Wow. I'm not talking about obedience today, believe it or not. Okay, so just stay with me. You know, um, I, I think that God, what we need to notice here, okay, God was still with Abraham. God's plan for Abraham, God's promise for, promises for Abraham didn't change, even though Abraham disobeyed him. You know, I think when, when I can remember when, when I was younger, and I think every time I messed up, God was mad, you know. Did I have to, do I have to get re-saved again? Do I got to, do I got to, you know, answer the altar call and come down forward? I did that when I was probably 13, about 42 times, you know, every time they did an altar call. I was pretty sure I'd screwed up too bad and I needed to go do that again. But see, that isn't how that works. See, see, the promises of God are yes and amen for those of us who have received Christ. Does that mean you're perfect? No, Abraham wasn't perfect. And yet the Bible calls him God's friend even. So now, now is that a license to sin? No, of course it's not a license to sin. It's just, just a fact. You know, Abraham messed up. You know, I don't know. His, did his nephew plead and beg? And, you know, that's hard when your family, isn't it? Sometimes your family begs and pleads and carries on, and you're, oh, fine, whatever. You know, you just give in after a while. Well, Psalm 103, turn over there. You know, we, we need to learn who God is. The only way to learn who God is is to start hanging out with him, okay, and just spend time with him. And to talk to him, my wife says that all the time, but talk to him. Just talk to him while you're driving your car. Just say, you know, he already knows everything going on in your world. Trust me. He's right there. He knows every little detail. I, he's so funny sometimes. I'll just tell you this story. I, I, I remember I, was, I had just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. I was just really starting to walk with God. And uh, I was living with my parents um, when I got back to Omaha from college. And uh, I was, I'd just started working at a, or volunteering rather, at a church. Later I got on staff there. But, but I had just started and I was doing so many things for them. I was, I was doing a lot of ed- ed- editing on cassettes. That dates me. Hello. And uh, editing and, and doing work for the children's area and doing work for an evangelistic team, and I had my arms full of stuff. <clears throat> my parents' uh, house was in Dundee at the time, and they had a, a, a detached garage. And so, so I, I went outside. My arms are full. I could barely reach around the, through the door to hit the button to open the garage door so that I could go, and, and nothing happened. I was like, oh. So I go around, and I look up there, and the chain's off, and it's, you know, it's messed up. The garage door is messed up. And, you know, there's, it's just not going to move. You understand if you've ever had a garage door that misbehaved. You understand. You can't just go, yeah, stop doing that. And, and I did. I just, standing there, I, I stepped out of the garage, and I started to walk around the garage because I was trying to find a place to set all this stuff down so I could go back and fix the garage. And I, I just said, oh, Jesus. And... Boom, the garage door went up just like that. <laughs> and that feeling that you have, it's like, okay, I knew you were with me. I didn't know you were with me <laughs> to the point that you were paying attention to all these 
things like that. See, see, we think he's far away because he feels far away. And, and the Bible even says that in Acts. It says, you know, Paul talking. He said, you know, yeah, we feel like he's far away, but actually in him we live and move and have our being. You know, we talk about having him come into us, but we actually go into him. And, 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 and he's right there. He's not far at all. He's right there. But we don't know that all the time. And why we went off on that rabbit trail, I don't know. But are you in Psalm 103? Why, why was God still speaking to Abraham? Why did he keep all of his promises? You know, Abraham messed up. No, see, see, we can't look at God that way. Because Psalm 103.10 says, He, God, has not dealt with us according to our sins. See that? So, in other words, he does not treat you as you deserve. He does not treat me as I deserve. I mean, we haven't earned anything great, right? I, I, I've mentioned this previously, but I had a friend who, who had a million and one health problems and, and had gotten to the point where just about every food bothered her. And, uh, and she was uh, in, a, in a, I won't say what kind of denominational church she was, but she was the volunteer of the year. She did everything, and, and her health just kept getting worse and worse. And then she got married to a guy in, in, uh, in Rama Bible Church, where I lived down in, you know, where I was at, down in Tulsa. And, and she didn't volunteer anywhere. But sitting there hearing the word... She, she started feeling better and, and hearing healing taught. She started getting better. And where she could hardly eat anything that didn't bother her stomach, she'd gotten to the point where the only thing that bothered her anymore was soy sauce. I mean, literally, she could eat anything. And here's what happened. She got angry. Because I worked my butt off at that other church, and God did nothing for me. She said this to me, just flat out. And I don't do anything here, and look at this. I'm like, honey, it's not about works. <laughs> it's not about works. It's not about what you and I do so that we could boast and say, well, I did this, and I live good. And, and so that's why God blesses me. No, it isn't about that. Not, not about that. I mean, she was mad, and guess what? She walked right back into all of her problems. And, and, and you know, because it's like, okay, guys, you got to understand that, that it isn't about, <laughs> it's not about our works. It's about our hearts. Do you see that? Psalm 103.10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth... So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, and that must be far, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Second Chronicles 69, you guys know this, says, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Turn back to Genesis. We're almost done with Abraham here. No, see, he, he's all about just being there for you. If your heart's his, 
If you're, if you're, if you're meaning to follow him, you know, hard after him, he knows that. If your heart's his, he's all about being there to support you, to be strong for you, to open your garage door, I guess. Um, you know, he, he, he'll do whatever he's got to do to help you understand that he's right there. Abraham, in Genesis 15, uh, so much here. I don't want to read all this. Okay. Uh, Genesis 15, 1, after all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Uh, skip down to uh, verse 5. And God took Abram outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you were able to count them. And he said to Abram, so shall your descendants be. And look at verse 6. And Abraham believed in the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Do you see that? Now, now Abraham wasn't 100% righteous, was he? No. No, the Bible says our sins are as filthy rags, you know, before God, you know. No, Abraham wasn't righteous before God, but he, what? He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. We understand all this, right? I just, just trying to lay a foundation here to make sure you remember that, okay? Because, because uh, in another place, and you can write it in your notes, in uh, Romans 4, um, 17 through 22, it, it talks about how Abraham had strong faith. And then it defines strong faith right there. It says, and, uh, and I'll read it because it's better. It says, A, give, giving glory to God, and B, being fully persuaded that God, what God had promised, he was able to perform. That's what strong faith is. All right, we're giving glory to God, and we believe that he's able to do what he said. Okay? I mean, that's not hard, guys. He's God. Do you believe that he's able to do what he said? Yeah, that's not hard. Can you give him glory? Yeah, we just did. We just spent 30 minutes worshiping the Lord. So, see, this isn't hard to have strong faith, but we go, oh, well, Pastor Tony has strong faith. Me, I'm a mess. No, 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 no. See, 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 that's not how God looks at it. You're one of his kids. If you've received him into your heart, if you've received him into your life, you're one of his. You are mine, it says in uh, Jeremiah 31.3. Yeah, you know, you are mine. He, he takes it very personally, how you are. And, and, and because we believe in him, the Bible says, it goes on to say in, uh, oh, how much of this can we read? You know, it, it, it talks about, okay, I'm going to just read you Romans 4, 23, because it's talking about Abraham. Uh, 22, I'm going to back up and read that. Therefore, it was also credited to Abraham as righteousness. And then it says, and 23, not only for Abraham's sake was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. All right, turn over to Ephesians 3.20. Um, you know, actually, you don't have to turn there because I'm going to have him. Can you read that out of the... Carl, can you put that in the Amplified for me? But, but see, see, God's credited you with righteousness, all right? And, and we all know this, but because of that, you know, uh, let's just say that, 
you know, you know, uh, who can I pick on here? Philip. I'll pick on Philip. Philip, you know, stole my car and beat my dog and burned my house down. See, okay, let's just say all that. He didn't do, did you do any of those things? Zero, oh, a little? Anyway, <laughs> he didn't do any of that stuff. You understand that, right? Okay, but, 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 but see, if, if I forgive him and we're in, we're in, now we're in relationships, say, you know, we're, we're friends, uh, you know, if, if I were God, see, then because of that, I credit him with righteousness, and all that stuff he did is behind him. Now, every time he looks at me, he may go, gosh, there's Dave, I burned his house down, and I, okay, but that has nothing to do with, with what God's point of view is, because we just read, didn't we? As far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our sins from us. See, if you would just Forget that stuff and just start looking at him with the eye of the future instead of your eyes on the past. You know, you're going to, you, you could be in serious danger if you spend all of your time looking that way and walking this way. Okay, you will be in danger. I'm just going to tell you, you could fall downstairs if you keep going that direction. All right. But see, that's what we do. We're, we, we throw in, uh, it's a Minnesota phrase, yabbits. You understand what the yabbits are? It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I know, you know, it's like, I, God says I'm righteous, and I'm like, yeah, but I, and, and we like the yabbits. We dwell in the yab. If we haven't learned to renew our minds, yeah, but God, I used to, I've been doing this, I still am tempted to do this, I, I, I messed up today or yesterday or this morning or in the last five minutes. I don't know what you did, but it, see, see, we keep throwing the yabbits in there. Yeah, but I, and, and we want to we wanna throw the promises of God out the window. We want to throw the word of God out the window, even though it says as far as the east is from the west, that so far as he removed our sins from us. We want to throw it all out and, and, and trust in the yabbits. Okay. This is not intelligent. I'm just going to let you know for me or for you to do that. Did I tell you to go to Ephesians 3.20? Except I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. It says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do, I love this word so much, I need to start saying it, super abundantly, more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power, at work in us. Guys, do we dare to believe that God is as good and faithful and kind and merciful and generous as the Bible says he is? Because it takes guts to do that. It takes boldness to do that. It takes faith to do that. You know, do you remember Peter catching the fish? You know, you know he fished all night and they caught nothing and Jesus said to him, you know, go throw you know, the net on the other side. You know, in the Chosen uh, series, if you've watched that, I, that's one of my, that probably is my absolute favorite scene because Jesus, you know, Peter's out there throwing the net and looking at Jesus and Jesus is like. <laughs> and then Jesus is just laughing, you know, because all of a sudden Peter's like, <clears throat> you know, and, and the, the net's full of fish and Jesus just starts laughing because that's who he is. He, he, he's super abundantly more and above all you could dare to ask or think because that's who he is. But are we going to dare to believe that? Are we going to actually let ourselves believe that he's going to treat us that way? Or is it just going to be Leanne and uh, Pastor Tony that he treats that way? And, you know, we have to decide what we're going to do with that. 
He's not going to force you to trust him and to believe for the supernatural and the shocking and the amazing. He's not, gonna, he's not going to force you to do that. But as his kids, you have the right to do that. You have the privilege to do that. You have the relationship to do that, right? Yeah. You know, my, my, uh, my uh, dad passed away, but my mom's still alive, and, and I don't know how much it'll be. I don't really care, you know, but at some point, there's an inheritance that I'm going to get when my mom passes away, whatever's left, and I have two brothers, so it'll get split between, between uh, the three of us. But, you know, but, but I know... I know that's coming. That's real easy for me to believe. I've seen, you know, I've seen the bank, you know, the records, the investments. I've seen all that stuff. I know that's coming someday unless my mom decides to live forever, which is fine with me. But, but you understand, you know, until Jesus comes back or forever or whichever. But the point is, is that are we going to believe what God says our inheritance in him is? Well, yeah, but I, no, see, it's the yabbits yeah, again. Are we really going to do that? Because that's how most of us live. I'm just going to tell you. Now, I'm almost to where I wanted to tell you. How are we doing on time? We're doing good on time. Darlene Dibler Rose was a missionary. Darlene Dibler was a missionary. She later remarried. Um, but she uh, was a missionary with her husband, Mr. Dibler, in uh, Indonesia, New Guinea, back during World War II. And when the war started, they were taken prisoner of war. And her husband died of not, they didn't kill him. He died of uh, natural causes in the prisoner of war camp. But uh, Darlene was uh, accused of being a spy, which is ridiculous, but, you know, it's war, right? So she got accused of being a spy, and she was in prison. She was actually on death row. And uh, she, uh, she was in solitary confinement because <laughs> she was considered this little itty-bitty lady, you know, a little bitty American lady weighed about 86 pounds by the time this happened because she was underfed. And, and uh, anyway, she would, she would, in her cell, she would climb up. Uh, she could get her foot up on this little ledge and on the doorknob, and there was a little space of uh, a little bit of uh, space over the door that she could look out and see out into the courtyard where the other prisoners got to go out and walk. They didn't ever let her out there. And uh, she said she watched a lady uh, inching closer to the fence. Every time the guard would look that way, this lady would take another step toward the fence, and uh, she'd just stand there and. And then the guard would step away, and she'd take another step closer to the fence. And, uh, and I have a hard time telling this story. It makes me want to cry, so just bear with me, okay? Anyway, she eventually got to the fence. And, and after she got to the fence, Darlene said she saw a hand stick through the, 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 the fence. There was a little bit of a hole there with, like, a handful of bananas. And, and the, lady, uh, the lady grabbed him and stuck him in her clothes, and off she went. So... Uh, so Darlene just, she, she said, oh, God, what I would do for a banana. That would be awesome. And then she thought, no, 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 I shouldn't ask. You know, isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do sometimes? Sure. You know, oh, so-and-so got a new car. God, what I wouldn't do for a new, oh, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay with my 1974 Cutlass. I'm good, God, you know. I know it's got four bald tires and needs a new carburetor, but no, hello, I'm just saying it. So 
in the course of time, Darlene had been at a different prison camp, and the head of that prison camp came to visit her, and, and he, he walked into the room and saw how sick Darlene was. Eventually, the Lord healed her, just so you know, but we'll, we'll keep where we're at. And so he said to her, he said, you're not well, are you? And she said, no. And she, she said, but I'm still trusting the Lord. And he goes, I'm going to go back and tell everybody that you're okay and that you're trusting the Lord. Because she had witnessed to him, and eventually he became a Christian. But, but uh, anyway, the guards would come and get her and then take her to, to the head of the prison where she was, and they would interrogate her. And, and she said they didn't hurt her so much, but they, the guy would put his finger right here on her to the point where it was all bruised and her eyes were all swollen. And, and, and so he left. And, and she said, I remembered as soon as he walked out the door, I'd forgotten to bow to him. And the guards would have seen that. And she goes, I know they're going to come and get me. <laughs> Told you I have trouble telling this. So anyway, so in the course of things, she hears the guards coming back. And she's just said, Lord, you've got to give me strength here. I Help me. Because I'm not strong today. And I don't know what I'm going to do when they come to interrogate me. And so... They came, you know, got closer and closer, unlocked her door. And instead of coming in, they threw something in the room. 77 bananas. <laughs> now, if you don't understand that God super abundantly wants to meet your needs. See, see, she said, I pushed them in the far corner and backed up as far away from them as I could get and said, God, wh what? What have you done, and I don't deserve this? See, this is what we do. See, we don't see us as his kids, you know? Instead of, like, when you walk into your parents' house and open the refrigerator, you know, when you were, even as an adult, if your parents were living, you open up the refrigerator and take whatever you want because it's mom and dad's house, you know? It's not my house anymore, but it's mom and dad's house. I mean, I'm, I'm no, because you have a right to that. You're, I mean, if you ask your mom, can I have something out of the fridge, she'd be like, why are you asking? She'd be like, no, I knew you were coming. I made such and such a cookies and da-da-da-da-da, right? No, so, I mean, mom's expecting you to come and open up the refrigerator, right? Uh, at least most mom, my mom was, I'll just say that. But anyway, so, so, see, super abundantly above all we could ask or think, that's where God's at, all right? It isn't our perfect behavior that gets God to love us. It isn't... It isn't what saves us. No, we and Abraham and all of us, we believe God, we believe his word, and it's credited to us as righteousness. Are you still in Ephesians? Okay, turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. We're finally to my point. That was my introduction, 34 minutes. Got it? Told you it would take a while to lay the foundation, didn't I? I was not lying to you. Ephesians 5.10 says this. Well, let's back up to verse, uh, now let's just read 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. We're just going to say that, okay? What, what pleases the Lord? Well, a lot of things. But what are you supposed to do about those things that please the Lord? You're supposed to find them out. You understand, I, I mentioned at the very start, there's a journey of discovery in God. And you and I are supposed to find out what pleases the Lord. Whose job is it to find out? It's yours and mine. 
It's your job and my job to find out what pleases the Lord. You know, there's, there's certain things that I know my wife likes to eat. There's certain clothes that I know she likes to wear. There's certain things that, that I know she likes to do. Uh, there are certain things that if I did them around the house, I know she would appreciate. Okay, did I know all those the minute I met her? No, I did not know any of those things the minute I met her, but there's a, there, was a, there was a season of discovery that is continuing on to today where I am learning what pleases her and what does not. And as you walk with God, it's really amazing, but we can find out exactly what pleases the Lord. And as you find out what pleases him, and we may come back to Ephesians, but as you find out what pleases him, every time you do something that pleases him, we feel closer to him. You know, he's right there all the time. In him we live and move and have our being. But I'm telling you that as you find out and as you take steps toward that, do you have to take those steps? No. Can you displease the Lord and still be a Christian? Well, yes, but why would you want to do that? All right. You know, I didn't marry my wife so that I could make her unhappy. Does that make sense? That was not my goal. You know, I didn't, I didn't come to Faith Family Church to start working to make Pastor Tony unhappy. That was not my goal. I, I came here because I wanted to be a part of the ministry here, that I believed in the vision here, and I came here because I wanted to make it all work, and I find out what pleases your boss. Hello? Do you have to do that when you're working somewhere? Sure, yeah. You, you have to figure out what works for them, unless you work for yourself. But even then, you have to find out what on some level, you need to find out what pleases your employees, and, and you still have the government. you got to figure out what pleases the government and pay the taxes and do all that stuff, right? We, there's things that we have to do. We have to figure out how to function, and God wants us to figure out what pleases him. It's our job. Luke 10. In that passage in Ephesians chapter 5, he eventually says, find out or understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, as we take steps, we can find out what pleases him. See, Abraham made it his business to find out what pleased God. It wasn't a, he wasn't a perfect man, all right? But, but the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God, all right? And, and you know, just from that passage, that Abraham decided to figure out what it was that made God happy, and he acted on that. You remember when, when uh, God came to him, uh, the, the, or the angel of the Lord, probably incarnate Jesus. We won't go into all the deep doctrine about all that. But the point is, is that, that the Lord came to him and said that he was going to destroy Sodom. And what did Abraham do? Started negotiating, didn't he? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, God. Wait a minute. Started interceding for, for the people of Sodom. His nephew lived there, right? He started interceding for him, going, hey, God, wait a minute. What, 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 if, what if you go there? Because God said, I'm going to go there and see if it's what I really think, if it's as bad as I think it is, right? So, so, so he says, wait a minute. What, what if you find five righteous there? Or 10 or 50? You know, he went through this whole thing, right? And, and, and God just, he, you know, wait a minute. You talking back to God? No, 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 no. You know, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, come let us reason together. God wants you to come and talk to him. He wants you to talk. No. You know, I, that doesn't mean there are certain, uh, how do I say this? There are certain non-negotiable items in the Bible, okay? He's never going to tell you it's okay to, you know, 
to sin sexually. He's never going to tell you that it's okay to just go around killing people. He's not going to tell you it's okay to go, you know, lie. He's not going to tell you any of those things. But there are other things that we have to just, God, where are we at here? What are we doing? What are we, you know, let's talk about this. Phyllis Moore, Keith Moore's wife, said, you know, the, the second we find out God's will, we start negotiating. See, that's not good. That's not a good thing. But there are things that we can, hey, God, wait a minute. This person's going down the wrong path here. Can I intercede for them? That's what Abraham did, right? So, so we want to step in. There's other times when you can't step in and fix anything, right? Did you know that? Wow, this is weird to tell you this. I'll tell you this anyway. Uh, my, my cousin passed away. My, uh, my, actually, my cousin, my first cousin's husband passed away. She called me about 2 in the morning, and she told me that her husband had stopped breathing. And uh, I jumped in the car and uh, grabbed a, another friend of hers, and we raced down there as fast as we could. And I tried to pray. Have you ever tried to pray, and it was almost like your tongue was stuck to the roof of your mouth? I mean, you literally can't pray. I literally couldn't pray at all. So I'm like, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> you know, it's not like I can pray for his, his healing. Yeah, I didn't know he was actually gone, gone at that point. I just knew she goes, he'd stop breathing and the paramedics are here, you know. But, but I wanted to pray. I wanted to fix it. You ever been there? Sometimes we can't. You know, Brother Hagin used to say, you can always pray and believe for yourself and sometimes for other people. I'm helping somebody here, Okay. You know, you can't, you know, I, I knew a dear lady, bless her heart, love her, love her so much, but she, she was so determined to fix something in her life, she, she was trying to fix a person in her life, and, you know, you, 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 know, you want to tell her, honey, <laughs> you can't fix every person in your life. Now, can you pray for him? Yeah, if the Lord will let you, and he usually will. He usually will let you pray for him. But there's going to be times, I'm just going to tell you this, because there's going to be times you can't pray. Anybody ever been there where you literally couldn't pray? It's like, yeah, <laughs> I want to. But, I mean, I literally, I, I tried to pray in tongues. I couldn't, there nothing. I mean, there was nothing. It was like, well, I don't understand that. Well, then I get there and find out that he was gone, gone. And, and you understand, does that make sense? You tracking with me here? Don't, 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 don't let loose yet. Okay, Luke 10, are you there? Let's start with verse 38. And Jesus and his disciples were on, were on their way. They came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to them. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, much has been said or implied about this passage, about what Mary or Martha should or should not have been doing. We're not really here to debate that. But for the moment, just look at Mary. Mary understood that there was a process of, of finding out who the Lord is and what he was about and what he had to say. And, and, and Jesus told her, I'm not going to take that away from her, okay? Now, as we press into him, uh, you know, I, uh, I, th I think that, that as we get to know him, you know, we, we just get closer and closer to him and love him more and more and find out how much more and more he loves us. 
All right, but we can get to looking at God in a way, our, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions can look at God in a way that God isn't. You know, we can see him as being far away. We can see him as being standoffish. We can see him as being uncaring. We can see him as being frustrated with us or angry with us or disappointed with us. And, and you know, that, that isn't God. But, but who do, where does that come from? I don't know. It comes from a lot of different sources that may, you know, the... You know, psychologists say, well, you have a view of God like you have a view of your earthly father. Well, maybe if you had problems with your earthly father, you have problems looking at God. I don't know that. Okay, I'm not going to pretend I'm a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist up here. But, but why do we have a wrong view of God? I don't know. But many of us have a wrong view of God. But that's why Paul wrote, find out what pleases the Lord. You know, is there... Are there things he wants you doing? Are there things he doesn't want you doing? Well, yeah, probably. You know, but but uh, turn back to uh, turn back to um, Matthew chapter twenty You know, when it, when it comes to the things of God, I'm just say this so you'll see it from this verse, but some things are more important than others. Does that make sense? I mean, some things are, are more important that we get straightened out in our lives than others because he knows the things that are really messing up your head. He knows what things are messing up your relationships, and he will guide you and help you to get those things straightened out. And he's only going to work on one thing at a time, but, but he, he's going to help you figure out the most important things that will help you first, okay? And, and uh, I think, uh, are you in Matthew? Chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is, is trying to get the Pharisees and the scribes to listen to him. They wouldn't listen. The more they wouldn't listen, the stronger words he had for him because he was desperately trying to get their attention. You remember when, when he looked down on Jerusalem and said, you know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long, how often I have longed to hold you in my arms, but you were unwilling. So here he is trying to get their attention. He wasn't being mean to him. It sounds like he's being mean, but he said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. They were told to tithe their food, their gardens, you know, and, and they, they focused on that and ignored justice <laughs> and mercy and faithfulness. Isn't it pretty obvious that those things are more important than tithing your dill out of your garden, right? You understand what I'm saying? Right? So, so what we do, though, don't we? We tend to sometimes we'll grab onto some little trivial thing and, and okay, I'm going to fix this. No, you'd let the Lord lead you as to what needs to be fixed, all right? When you're in the process, in that process of trying to find out what pleases the Lord, you just walk with him, all right? Turn back Micah. We don't go to Micah very often, all right? Micah chapter 6. We're just going to read a bunch of verses that talk about uh, pleasing the Lord, so just bear with me here. We're going to hit a few of these because it's 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 all through the whole Bible. Okay, Micah. I had a friend who named his poodle Micah. That's a strange name for a poodle. Anyway, 
Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He, God, has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You like that? I love that verse. I love that so much. I'm just going to read a couple more to you. You don't have to turn there. Actually, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would. I'm going to read uh, James. I'm going to read James 127 to you, though. It says, pure and undefiled religion. What pleases him? Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That's what pleases him, all right? Do we look at it that way? Well, not necessarily. How many of you have helped a widow or an orphan recently? No, I haven't. So, so you know what? But that pleases God. So you want to find out what pleases him? You know, just dig into his word and see. Are you in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Is that what I said? Oh, I said James. No, I told you I was going to read out of James and to look up 2 Corinthians. But anyway, it's all good. 2 Corinthians, Dan's out there going, yeah, that's what he said. I know I said it. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's get on the same page here, folks. All right, verse, verse 14. Here, this, is a, this one's a little heavier, but let's, let's, let's take a look at it and find out what pleases the Lord, all right? Verse 14, do not be mismatched with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and lawlessness share together, or what does light have in common with darkness? Well, we better stop there for a half a minute. What, what does that mean to be mismatched with unbelievers? Well, we talk about that in marriage. You definitely don't want to be, you definitely don't want to be mismatched in marriage. You know, we marry someone who's not a believer. The Bible, you know, you're, says you're going to have all sorts of problems. But, you know, how far do we take that? Well, you know, would you go into business with an unbeliever? I don't know. I can't answer that for you. You have to be led. You have to know what God wants for you to do. All right, but but we don't want to be unequally yoked. Do you see yoke means you're tied together somehow, right? And and so we have to be we have to be wise about that. We have to find out what pleases the Lord, don't we? We have to be led there. All right. So um, verse sixteen. Or what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God has said. I will dwell among them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst. Whose? Well, the unbelievers. Does that mean we move to a mountaintop or, you know, a little? No, no. It just means that we're not unequally yoked with them. All right. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Amen? Amen. I think if we, uh, we, we don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 2, pretty much sums up what it means to please the Lord. And, and as we walk out our life, you know, it isn't hard, okay? I, I, I just, I don't want you to think there's 80 million things. You know, Jesus said the whole law is summed up in, in that one commandment that we love the Lord our God and love our neighbor as ourselves. It's a whole law summed up in that. And, and so as we walk in love, you know, if I, if I love uh, Mark and Chris, I'm, I, I'm not going to take stuff out of their house when I visit them. You know, I'm not going to talk bad about them. I, I'm not going to, uh, 
You know, I'm, I'm not going to do anything that would hurt them because I love them. Okay, and, and the same thing is true. You know, how many of you, we, we do this, don't we? We catch our mouths running, saying stuff, and then you think, gosh, I sure wish I hadn't said that. No, you know, as we walk in love, as we, as we show love, as we demonstrate love, we're walking, because right here we know better, don't we? We know, oh, I should not say that. Do you ever get in the middle of a, you know, you're two words in, and right here it's stop. It's like, how do you stop after two words, you know? You know what I'm talking, y'all, some of you are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, no, no. You start talking and it's like, Lord, I need to shut up. But what, what uh, you know, if we all just took the advice of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and in John chapter 2, when, when Jesus, uh, she asked Jesus, to, you know, said that they're out of wine at the wedding. And Jesus is like, my, not my time. Why are you troubling me about this? And, and she went to the servants and said, whatever he tells you, do it. See, now, if we could just, if, see, if we could just figure that one out there, we've got, it all, we've got it all covered. Whatever he tells you, do it. That's what pleases him, okay? You know, this word is full of, of counsel about how to deal with every area of our life, our minds, our will, our emotions, our spouses. You hear my tic-tac shaking in there? Wow. Um, our... our, our our friends, our employers. It tells us how to deal with every aspect of life. And as we get to know him, as we spend time in his word, as we get excited about our, his word, you know, uh, Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And, and, and then it says, and he will bring it to pass. What will he bring to pass? He'll bring all those things to pass that, that, that he's given you desires for. He's working with you, not against you. But if we fight him and, and resist him and push his word away and don't want to do it and I don't want to do that and I don't want to change and I don't, see, then, then we get ourselves into a big mess. But, but it isn't God's fault. Do you understand that? All right. Um, turn over to John chapter 14 and we'll close here. I could go on. I have more notes. We're not going to. We're just going to stop after this. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him like he knows you. And that can't happen 100% in this life. But I'll tell you what, it can happen. It can happen in a way that you can't even imagine. And you'll get to know him in a way that you never dreamed possible. And uh, John 14, starting with verse 18, you know, Jesus has told the disciples that he's leaving them. And then he flips around and says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Whoa, what? You just said you were leaving. No, he's sending the spirit. And he, by the spirit, is in you and with you. He's walking with you. You know, just as much as on the road to Emmaus, the guys who didn't recognize that he was there with them after he rose from the dead. You guys remember that story? See, he's, he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, oh, haven't you heard? He's like, no, oh, tell me. And, and they're like, well, this guy, you know, we thought he was the Messiah. He got killed. And, and Jesus is right there with them, and they don't even know it. See, that's you and me half the time. We don't even know he's right there. He's right there with us. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. You're not out here on your own. You're not trying to survive. Oh, it's just me. It it's all depends on me. No, no, he's right there with you. He said, I am coming to you. A little, keep going here. Verse 19. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you are going to see me because I live, you will live. 
On that day you will know I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And look at this. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal or disclose myself to him. See, that's what he wants to do. He just wants, now, does that happen all at once? No. Piece by piece, step by step, he's going to reveal himself to you. If you'll just walk with him, if you'll just talk with him, he'll show you. Now, is it always right on our timetable? Well, I'll tell you no. I will say no from my own personal experience. It did not always feel right on my timetable that he revealed things to me. But, but, but he will. Yeah. Verse, let's skip down to verse uh, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word. Hello. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. You know what? He dwells with you. He dwells in you. He's a part of your life. He's right there with you, right beside you, right in you. You're in him, uh, however we want to say it, but it's all real. It's all for real, 100%. You know, we're not just making stuff up and telling you stories. He's right there. And the closer that we let ourselves get to him, the closer he's going to seem to us. As we find out what pleases him, start acting on those things. Start, you know, Mary, whatever he says, do it. You know, that pretty much sums up everything, right? Doesn't it? You know, and Mary gets it. She got it. And even though Jesus said it wasn't his time, you know, apparently he made the best wine that anybody ever made. I don't know. But the, the steward of the, the wedding was like, whoa. You know, he was impressed. So so point is, is he's making your life into something beautiful. Do you remember that old Gaither song, Something Beautiful? You know, he's making something beautiful of your life. That's his goal. That's his plan. You walk with him, you stick with him, and, and he's going to bring that about.